Hey, Steve Taylor here. Welcome to episode 37 of the Gig Life podcast. Now, if you're returning, nice to see you again. If this is your first time here, make yourself at home. Hope you enjoy. Uh, this particular episode is part two of the Gig Life podcast Drummers Roundtable. For those that didn't catch episode 36, that was part one of the Drummers uh, Roundtable. So basically myself, Steve Marin, Yanya Boston, Dave Ferry, Dave Goodman, Johnny Adams and Fab Day. We all sat in a room and we talked about drums and music and um, just all sorts of stuff. Had a good laugh. Um, yeah, had some decent discussions about predetermined topics. Um, so yeah, go back and check that out. Um, otherwise, yeah, just carry on listening to this one. It's just um, it's just a carry on of uh, of um, part one. Um, it was a it was a long three hour session, so I thought I'd break it up into a couple of episodes. So. Um, yeah, I'm not going to waffle on anymore. Sit back, enjoy part two of the Gig Life podcast, Drummer's Roundtable. Cheers. Johnny Adams, you had a question regarding Cornerstone album, so can you explain explain the question and then we'll... we'll um... Into the mic. Yeah, Into the, the mic. mic. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah so uh, uh, Steve was asking about questions and, and I just thought, uh, <clears throat> is there one album, probably when you were all a bit younger and uh, either we've come across or stumbled across an album that has absolutely just knocked us into a direction that is just fills you with passion and wanting to continue or change the direction um, and or did did someone introduce it to you and what album was it how old were you and any other uh, details like pl- it was playing on it or anything like that yeah so. I might answer this one first yeah captain's call I was I was 16 years old I went to my mate's place and I, I think I went there for a drum lesson and he goes, oh, anyway, take take this home. It was a cassette. Got it home, put it on, put it in the machine, push play, and there's this kind of traffic-type music, and then there's kind of this crescendo, and all of a sudden there's this... Anyway, the album was Nightwalker. Oh, Gina Vanelli. Gina Vanelli. Oh, yes. Vinnie Colliuta. Vinnie Colliuta. First one you talking about that. Just after he, he just left Zappa, or was I think about the same about time. the same yeah, time? Yeah, we know right. he he wanted to step away a bit from Zappa and go do some other stuff. That's the album he did. Right? Yes. Yes. Fuck! Goosebumps talking yeah, about yeah. it. There was two <laughs> albums. There was there was Nightwalker and Brother to Brother. Right. Okay. Yeah. They were the two. Yeah, that album. album there just Nightwalker was a killer. I'd never heard anything like it before, yeah. and I, I'd been playing for a few years at that stage. And that's a really that's a really. Played, Cool choice of album, mm. I have to say. L- Leon yeah. was on Brother to Brother. Mm. Really? Leon. Uh, Gear. Oh, was he? Yeah. Was he really? Yeah, he, he, he play, yeah, he played on that. Wow, that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. that's awesome. That's a killer album. That was all, all Vinny. All Vinny. Yeah, yeah. It was all Vinny. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the first song kind of blew me away, but um, uh, what was the... Seek and, Seek and Destroy 
Well, no, Seek and We Will uh, Find, the we second will find. song. Yes, yeah, yeah. I was listening to that a couple of weeks ago. Seek and You Will Find. Yeah, yeah. Fuck! Fuck! Yeah, yeah, it was... Rewind! It was... Using the drums in the group. Yeah. Yeah, it was Yeah. mind-blowing album, that one. Still is. Next. Fab. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. <laughs> Fab here. Um, <clears throat> well, there's a few albums, but if we're going to go the, the one album, doesn't matter what age, this is... Because I... You have to, I, I didn't start playing drums till I was... I didn't get my first drum kit till I was 14. But this incident was when I was about 11. And it was uh, <clears throat> Michael Jackson's Off the Wall. Ah. Right. I was, it's JR, wasn't it? JR. Oh, yeah. 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 unknown yeah. album, that one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but the, the thing is, I, <clears throat> I didn't know anything about drums. I wasn't... I don't come from a musical family. There was no drums in, in the thing. But from the age of about nine... About nine years old, we used to. I used to take out. Had these two perspex rods, and I used to take out the the vinyl sleeve from the vinyl from the record that it was in that plastic sleeve, and I put it on these on the lounge pillows. Yeah, yeah. I'd put vinyl on and I'd play yeah. to it because I just liked the sound of it. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't a concept of I want to be a drummer or anything like that. But I used to go. My brother used to take me to a disco to dance. And I, was, I used to dance all the time. Yeah. And I got this, got given that album off the wall. And when I put it on, it, I don't know what happened there, but and it was shortly after that, uh, a couple of years later, that's when I started playing drums and went straight back to that album. And that album just, I don't know. And that's, that's Lewis Johnson playing bass on that. Killer. Yeah. And that, that album helped make a lot of those plays as well, like... Um JR said that after yeah. that album, his phone rung off the wall, like, like with yeah. and lots of stuff. Oh, man. It's just, this, but the songs were just... Oh, man. Uh, you know, Rod Temperton. Um, Rod Temperton, um, English guy who wrote quite a, uh, three of the tracks, I think, on that. And the Tyler track, I think, as well. Mm. But, uh, yeah, Eric Gressman. And Eric used to play with him. Yeah, he was in here. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So Eric demoed a bunch of those songs. Yeah, That's okay. Mad. Yeah, yeah, like the original pretty cool. guitar yeah. parts. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, many, many years later, and I'm talking, you know, maybe 2000 or something like that, I got a CD. It was like a special edition CD of Off The Wall, and it had a, a, like a demo CD with it. And what it had, it had these extra tracks and had recordings of the demo ideas oh, yeah. that Michael Jackson had. Yeah. And it had things like... Oh, yes. that. Um, that. Yeah, you know, the working day and night. Yeah, the bottles. The bottles. bottles. Yeah. And stuff. Oh, right. oh, cool. It's got his sister singing as well. Yeah. And they're, but you can hear they're all like almost lounge room type mm. demos. Mm. But here's the idea, and he's got bottles with it. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Yeah. Anyway, that old. Yeah, yeah. I think, well, that's where Quincy Jones is describing yeah. some of that stuff too, I think. Yep. It's just yeah. like how it came about, but. But then when I started playing, it was Tato 4 and, yeah. and everything else. Yeah, Benson, that, yep, yep, yep. And Earth, Wind and Fire. Reason. Reason. Earth, Wind and Fire too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Harvey Mason. Yeah. It's Harvey Mason, Harvey is it? Mason. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yep. Dave Goodman. I'm pretty sure that it's... Uh, I've been trying to think of the chronology... I think it happened like this. I was already playing and I had just got my first set of drums, I think. And 
you know, we went to Video Easy to rent some movies <laughs> for the weekend. <laughs> and I went to the music section and I found, uh, I was just looking through stuff. I was, I was into the drums, you know, but I had no real concept. It's just, it was cool. And, and uh, Dad had a pretty good record collection, like, um, and I was familiar with, like, say, Genesis, you know. So I saw Genesis live at Wembley Stadium, the Domino Tour, 1987. And I, I don't know, I picked it off the shelf and I'm looking at the back and it says, Drum Duet. I'm like, oh, I'm going to hire this one for the weekend for $2 or whatever it was. And I took that home. And, I, and the Drum Duet is like three quarters of the way through the concert. And I, I watched the concert to get to the drum solo but I was absolutely Chester Thompson and Phil Collins Mm. but the whole that band the iconic stature of that band filling Wembley Stadium the footage was spectacular and and to play a concert at that level and they had just hit after hit after hit after hit and the drumming Chester Thompson and then when Phil Collins got up and they actually played the duet I was actually watching it earlier today. Really? Yeah, just I, I watch it all the time. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I learned to play that duet as best as I could as a one drum set reduction. <laughs> uh, I loved it so much. But that that like that brand of rock and roll for me is like yeah. that's uh, that's what really gets me going. You know yeah. that 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 triggered a whole bunch of shit for me. Absolutely, it's not an album. I I wish I could find the audio. Right. Like it's always been visual. Um, as far as I know, it wasn't released as an audio thing. I, mean, I should just re- record it and, mm. you know. So you can listen to it. Yeah, but I just, I like to see it as well. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I was actually, uh, on Saturday night, I was watching Chester and Phil Collins do a duet. It was the Phil Collins farewell tour yeah. live in Paris, and they both went for it. For, and then Louis Conti came out. And, so yeah. and uh, yeah, so that's, it's, it's so solid. Um, and, Phil's a phenomenal rock He's drummer. A beast. Yeah. I love yeah. it so much. Yeah. Great. If you think of rock drummer, you think of someone like him, don't you? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Yeah. I just love I love the big when he hits a big like twenty inch crash cymbal. Fuck, he yeah. hits it. <laughs> I love that that yeah. anyway, I could go on. And there's someone who played a snare drum like that. Yeah. yeah. But this way. Everything was Yeah. 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 Setup was Concert like, yeah. in front of his it's, face, right? Oh yeah. sorry. This way, yeah. It's great to watch him do it. Too, like yeah. the way he moves. Yeah. When he's sad to hear about his back problems these days, like he can't play anymore. Yeah, you know, that's right. Really yeah. No, he walks out on stage and he sits. sits yeah. on a stool, that's it. Right? Yeah. He sits yeah. down, does the whole gig, sitting yeah. down. Yeah. That and, and he's son, got his son playing the, son, the drums. Yeah. Kill it. Yeah. All these like great musical album references here. Everyone's dropping these like heavy musical knowledge album. And you've got summer hits '95. <laughs> <laughs> It was a great year for hits. If I could turn back time. <laughs> <laughs> totally took the wind out of my sail. <laughs> That's good. You know what? Okay, there's two. One will rectify the whole bad credit you just gave me there. <laughs> no, I liked so when I was young, the, the two uh, albums which well the two artists that I was really into that, I, that really kinda Albums which I kind of learnt backwards and, and learned to play drums too, I guess, was um, was Whispering Jack, yep, yeah, Angus yeah, Birchall, yeah. production. I mean, it's awesome. just it's 
Yeah, awesome. And um, also Midnight Oil, Diesel and Dust. Nice. I think it was Diesel and Dust album, or maybe it was the best of, but, you know, just they were big Australian albums. You know, I'm for, I'm, are you, did you guys all grow up in Sydney? Yes. No, I didn't. Where did you grow up? Country New South Wales. Right. You're, you're still in New South Wales. So. Tamworth. Yeah. <laughs> and Ad- I was- Adelaide it really did have, and this is even really slight on Adelaide, but the, the, the lack of, I just feel like even now today, the cover scene down there, I, I barely, I barely like played any kind of soul music or was exposed to much of it until I moved to Sydney, and that was 12 years ago. I mean, I knew it mm. and stuff, but it just wasn't in the, it wasn't in the music scene in Adelaide. Um, so yeah, so there was those two albums. Now on the flip side, in terms of albums, which I, I just, it's forever in a day, the album for me. I was even talking about this with the rest of the band yesterday. It's Peace Beyond Passion. Michelle oh, and yeah. Dagocello. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. the best recording yeah. ever, sonically, I think. Just yeah. the, the entire makeup of that album is yeah. is the best. Yeah. And who's playing drums on that? Um, don't know. I'd know if you if I heard the name. Mm. I've I've rattled it off a few times mm. myself, and right now I can't think of it. But when you do the edit on this, just like say the name, <laughs> cut it in. Like that. <laughs> yeah, sweet. But it's unreal. There's a lot of set, there's a lot of programming on there as well. Yeah. But the mix, the like the the mix of electronic and, and acoustic and and real drums is great, and the actual sonic mix is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Dave Ferry. Um, other than Toto Toto, 4, because that was, you know, that was, I've already told that story, but, um, other than that, um, Dreams of Ordinary Men, album, um, Dragon, Dragon, that was a cracker, um, Monsoon, Little River Band, uh, that was a really, really cool record, um, there was a movie, uh, it was a really shit movie with, um, with Paul McCartney called Give My Regards to Broad Street. And no, and and it's and what it was, it was about like it had Brian Brown in it, and they lost these studio tapes. But the soundtrack to that, basically, when I was a kid, I was watching Paul McCartney, and there was all these musicians. Each each scene was a different song, different sound, different musicians. And I went, oh, is that a thing? Can you can you be one artist and have all these different people come in and do that thing? And I think that was a big one where I went, oh, I want to be one of those. Guys, not necessarily the Paul McCartney guy, but one of these guys that comes in and, and adds that flavour and, you know, a gun for hire. Like, I think um, Dave Gilmore was on it and um, and I think Picaro and Lukather were on it as well. Heaps of, heaps of different guys. But um, I think that was probably one where it made me realise as, as a little guy that, oh, there's these people like us that come in and do their thing. Um, so that was probably... Uh, probably a big one. Um, my old man reckons that I think it's, um, oh, what is it? Baby Don't Speak No Evil. There's oh, a yeah. flam right at the, um, at the, uh, there's a big build up and then there's just, there's this flam. It's actually a foot. It's a, yeah, gabla. Oh my God. Gabla, yeah. And, but it's, it's kind of, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a wide, <laughs> it's a wide flam. And my old man still goes, oh, that, you must have listened to that so many times because every time you do that, I, I can hear that song. So, yeah, one of those little, those little things that you hear it in the car and you pick yeah. up. But my first album that I bought was Goanna. Oh, and I yes. went in as a little kid and I said, have you got Goanna? And the woman looked at me and said, no, but we have Agro. Remember Agro <laughs> did a kid's album? <laughs> and I just looked at I was this buck-toothed little kid. And I said, Legend. Fuck That's this. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. 
Thing. Yes, albums. Um, well, corners, cornerstone albums. Uh, when, when I was about six or seven, actually probably about five or six, um, my dad was muso, but they, my dad grew up doing his Chilean folkloric thing. There was this one band called Yapu. They had, I had a tape that my brother made that was one, one live recording in Melbourne from 86, maybe 87. And another side of it was El Canto de Yapu. So it was these two albums. And I literally broke that tape falling asleep to it as a five-year-old, six-year-old. Mm. They just, like, fell asleep to it. But there was no drums on that. Mm. Um, drumming albums would be that one that I got from my mate just before I started drumming. Um, the Best of Iraquere. Mm. Um, yeah, just re- insane Cuban fusion mm. shit. Mm. Who... um. He's the guy that gave me the tape. His brother was my first drum teacher because as soon as I heard that, I want to play this. He's like, oh, yeah, my brother can play all this shit. Like, he could teach you. Like, yeah, cool. He lived about three blocks away, so I used to ride my bike there and learn off him. Hmm. Um, then after, I'd say probably after that, once I was kind of drumming, would be Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, I, like, I just got it. I don't know, but by that time it was... Suck my kiss. Yeah. Well, it was 94 uh, so by the time I was... Oh. Yeah, suck your what? <laughs> but by the time I was, like, yeah, what, 14 maybe? 13, I started playing drums, and that was just what everyone was listening to at school, so I thought, yeah. oh, shit, I better listen to it, so it yeah. to be cool. Yep. And that was the one album that I remember when I started playing Kit, and I just, like, it was from top to bottom. You didn't skip anything. You yeah. just, like, you just played that album top to bottom and I knew every single little thing I think now I could probably play that album still yeah. top to bottom yeah. that's great mm. without he, I haven't heard it top to bottom in a long time but mm. every single nuance of that of Chad's playing on that I think I just totally got down somehow yeah. you know the gap in between the songs too yeah yeah. 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 yeah yeah there's no gaps it just played <laughs> so yeah there's three there was one pre-drums one when I started in the Latin thing and then one mm. where they're just checking out Rock Eyes. Yeah. Man. Nice. Cool. Did mine, Michael Jackson? Yeah, I know you did. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, actually, it was, I did, started when I was 14. When I was about 16, uh, I was 17. I did elective music. I didn't want to, but the way subjects landed at school, I ended up doing elective music when I was in year 11 and 12. So I did start doing school concerts. The school teacher, music teacher, drove me home one night because he lived not far away. So he drives us home and he said, oh, do you want to go inside and listen to, listen to some, this album? And I went, okay, yeah, cool. So I went inside and he um, put it on. It was uh, Robin Ford, Talk to Your Daughter. And the track, I remember the track he played first too, it was Revelation. And this is Vinny and Jeff Picaro on this album. Mainly Vinny, I think. But um, that was, that was, that was like, I know they fell through the floor when I heard that. It wasn't just a drumming. It was like no. just, yeah, yeah. just yeah. songs and, yep. the, and, and Robin production Ford's too. playing. Oh, yeah. It was like Chris. Oh, and um, so that one. And if I could sneak one other one in, probably about a bit after that was, this was a very influential album. Um, Q's Duke Joint, the Quincy Jones one, um, which had JR on it. Yeah, right. That came out in 95, I think. So. Okay. Mm. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Kuzju was a biggie, but mainly talk to your daughter. Just on JR, is it true that he did the whole Rick Price album in one take? I think oh, so. No. I th- well, I, 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 I text for him. 
once. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so I just heard... In one take. I know he did the album, but... Oh, uh, yeah. I, think, I think, yeah, I think that that's not wide of the mark, actually. Yeah. And um, he... Well, he's known for that. He doesn't want to do more than two. Mm. Same as um, Abe Boyle Jr., I think. Oh, yeah, okay. They say that they get the magic done in two and then... Yeah. yeah. What's yeah. the point? Yeah. yeah. So. I totally agree with that. Not that I do many of these things, but <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree with that. I like, normally end up doing ten just because yeah. I suck at the first nine. <laughs> I find if you labour over it, you get... And you, you start thinking about it more and feeling it less. And lose the magic. And you lose the magic. magic. I, I mean, I think that's the same for, for... If it's a live band situation... Yeah. Yeah. I think, OK, so maybe after ten takes you get the perfect take, but there's something missing yeah. in that recording. Yep. Love, yeah. I've already given you my best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, done. Mark Kennedy came up with, he said, you know, the way they used to, some, one way of doing albums, and when he's doing a lot of dates in the 70s, was they'd do a set, and they'd just do the set, they'd play it top to bottom, and then it, which there's be the songs on the album, and then they'd just do it again. That and they'd nice. do it three, yeah. maybe four times. Um, wow. So they'd just play four sets. So they play four gigs. Some of that, yeah. yeah. But the same songs, but yeah. they don't They think, oh, Let's try that one again before we go. And there was none of that. It was like bang, 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 one after the other, and then they go back and do the same set, and, yeah. or maybe yeah. in a different order. Yeah. So. Very good. All right. Um, I put a request out for Instagram, Facebook people to ask some questions of you guys. So must have gone viral. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't quite say viral, but we've got a, we've got a few. We've got a few, so I'll, I'll start rattling. That was them. Dave just firing off questions from his MySpace account. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Erica Randa thinks that you guys should all do a Valerie off. <laughs> I will win that. That's what I think. <laughs> I win that one. <laughs> I had to do it on the show. We had to oh, do it on geez. the show the other day. Yeah, it is. It's, the, the disappointing thing is it's actually a great tune. It's just it, it's it is, been flogged yeah, so hard. It's yeah. a great tune. Well, what it works it, every time. What killed that one for me, we were doing the casino runs for a while, so that was about 13 months of playing that song almost every night. Right. Six nights a week. Yeah. For yeah. over a year. That'll do it. So, yeah, you play any song for that long. It'll kill you. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I'm not in that scene, though, so when yeah. I get that get to it, I go, this is really, yeah, really cool. cool. I love really this cool. group. Yeah. I'll... Just have to lighten, lighten up a bit. Just got to lighten up a bit. That's that's, yeah. that's, that's like superstition. Well, I, I, I'm thinking. Come on, man. That's, that's, that's a classic song. song. So my my question to everyone is, what's that song for you guys? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, like quick. What, it is has there to one be superstition. It's got to be that. And wow, there's got to be one. Everyone's got one. Kiss and September. Yeah. Walking on sunshine. <laughs> Whoa. It's the backwards Valerie. Oh, yeah, it totally is. Yeah, it totally is. I never thought of yeah. that. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> yeah. Are we talking about songs with Dick playing? Or no. That's one song. Oh, that's just like oh. kind of done with. Man, i got a few. Black and Gold, I'm done with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a great tune. I'm just done with it. Yeah, yeah. I get it. Sex on Fire. We got a good mix here, hey, like this. I was looking around before and going like none of you guys have asked me to have a depth for you. <laughs> but vice versa. Hey, that's not true, man. Have you I asked you a couple of months ago. Yeah. But it was the boat shed, sorry. I was gonna say, I think the call went like this. Hey, 
I've asked everyone else, but are you available? Actually, I've had that phone call. Me too. I had that phone call. I had that phone call for a big international artist that comes through here. I was overseas. Um, uh, I was overseas on a holiday and I got a call from from an Australian like session muso person and they wrote me and said, or they texted me and said, look, we've tried everyone else, <laughs> but is it possible that you could please do this gig, right? <laughs> and first I was like, fuck, oh, they didn't call me. Right. And so I went, okay, cool. I can, I can actually do it. I get back like two days beforehand and um, I le- they emailed the rep. I learned the rep, did the gig and have since every time they've come back, I'm on the gig. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. nice. But can I, on that note, sorry to diverse no, here because I think that's the funniest thing when you get that, that, that phone call. I think it's just hilarious. And I did get an actual phone call once from someone. They said, hey, can you do this gig? And I said, no, I'm sorry, I'm not available. And their response was, oh, Jesus, fuck. <laughs> fuck, I've tried everyone. <laughs> Brendan, Brendan St. Ledger tells a similar story. You reckon he's, he's been at the bottom. <laughs> i, I got to say, ironically, that one gig I'm talking about, <coughs> that, and then the one rehearsal we came back and did before, when, then went on to lead to me doing Tina's gig, doing this the TV show that I'm on now, doing go. another big national tour with another big pop so artist. One door. Yeah. Tr- truly, yeah. It's, it is one amazing door. how quick that that can, that can change. And it's been really good to sort of break, in, break into a bit, scene with some um, different circle of crew, and a lot of from Melbourne, and it's just amazing yeah, how that can happen, awesome. hey. Are you I saying like that, that it could have happened to anyone because they tried everyone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. still want to hear Dave's, like, ultimate song that... You just, there's oh, got a, yeah. there's, everyone's got one. Uh, uh, look, I, 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 I feel really bad saying this. I really do. I, I have to say. I love all music. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I snorted. <laughs> I, I just, oh, I don't, I just don't understand why in this lifetime this happened to me. What, what penance am I paying for some <laughs> former misdeed in a past life? But I just cannot. I'm sorry. I would love to love the entire Motown catalogue. I would. I would love to. But it's been absolutely decimated by all the crappy wedding gigs that I've done. And every tempo is 20 beats a minute faster. And it's probably mostly my fault. (laughs) But I I hadn't gotten to that point of listening to that stuff before it came up on Jobs. And I think Stevie Wonder is brilliant too. I just can't bring myself to listen to it. I mean, I've got Motown on my playlist of stuff. Controversial. (laughs) (laughs) Just all those songs, those songs that they come up and they've all been ruined by all the gigs. I, I've I done, only you know? started, I only came across those songs on gigs because, yeah, like I just didn't grow up listening you. to that yeah. stuff or even playing that stuff or my parents never heard it, my older brother never heard it. it but I, just... I do go and listen to it and I listen to the recording and I think this is brilliant. Yeah, yeah. same. I love it, but I can't listen to it because it just reminds me of these crappy mm. working. <laughs> I get it, man. You know, I get or it. Not, not complaining about the work. No, no. <laughs> but... You know, from from 
former times in my career. Yeah. Okay, so Matthew Kappa, what's everyone's go-to specifically, oh sorry, what's everyone's go-to for specifically practicing drum kit in the city for context apartment living? For the apartment. Yeah, has got it right over there. Yeah. yeah. It's a electronic drum kit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, first of all, uh, my apartment is one of the few which is really solid Besser block, so I can actually right. play music here pretty late. These days, in most apartments, you don't get that. Even yeah. even an E kit is going to cause trouble, and you're going to get letters without yeah. a doubt. So yep. that's actually one of the reasons I've stayed in this place so long because of this perfect setup where I can actually play. I can't play real drums here. It's my dream to move into a place where I can set up and play real drums. I think I'd be a better drummer if I actually <coughs> got and just played more. Um, but yeah, an E kit is your your only option, but Yep. You're still going to get hounded, and you're going to be someone's nightmare for sure. Yep. Have you got? You've got. A ba- are you above the basement car park? That might help too. Is it? I am, and I do think. Yeah, I'm on the ground level, yeah, so no, I haven't no, got no. anyone beneath no, no, me. No, no, so no, I think no. that makes a huge difference. Solid walls, yeah. solid concrete walls, huge difference. Um, and I think for people that don't have access, that can't even do that, it's, it's got to be super tough, yeah. and and costly to go and set and and takes all the energy to go and go, I'm just going to go and jam for a while, so I'm going to take my kit, I'm going to book a room, I'm going to go and play yep. a horrible-sounding room. And yeah, right. Yep. Yeah. Cool. That's my answer. I think that's kind of would be a universal answer, wouldn't it? Yes. Do we agree? Yeah. 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 I don't think we could sort of answer. Well, actually, the den- just one thing. The Dennis Chambers idea of the pillow. The pillow, uh, yeah. Actually, not a bad thing to do, even if you don't need <clears> to keep it down, but um, mm. I've done a little bit of it, but I've been living in, in an apartment. Um... And uh, yeah, it's um, not much rebound, which I think is good. That's the but, idea. Uh, well, well, as yeah. long as you don't have to do it, but um, you've yeah. got to you've got to feel real drums though too. That's the thing. You yeah, you've got to, you've got to play on them uh, somehow. You've got to get get to the real instrument. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's a question that followed that from Kiri Tamatia Burgess. Um, she's mine's related to good general use electronic drum kit that can easily be used by children, but still gives the feel of an acoustic. I, I wish I could give an answer, but I have zero knowledge on anything electronic. Yeah. I stay I think, as far away from that I stuff think, as possible. I think, I think Dave even replied this. It's a mesh head, yeah. mesh head kit. Yeah, something, something kit. Yeah. yeah, like I've got a, an older, like a TD20 Roland. Yeah. And, and you do get, and you can, as Yanya would say as well, you can adjust the, um, the tension on those and, yeah, and you yeah. do get a little bit more feel. It's still... It's still not exactly the same as a real kit, but yep. where where it does differ is still in um, in the the hats and the symbols and yep. and not just feel, but they still haven't got the velocities right in yep. the in the the symbols there. But they're getting you know they're they're working on it. But I think the mesh heads is the closest you'd get yep. for that. Would you agree? So, no, I wouldn't. I actually wouldn't agree. I would. I mean, I I I play a heap of all my Roland stuff. I play Roland stuff out live for all my shows yep. but for playing at home I have a Yamaha controversial yeah. <laughs> did you and hear that the, Yamaha the, oh. the, <laughs> the, the, no the reason for that being like I think the sounds are comparable between, between them and all but to be honest I don't move off the first set, you know oak kit number one you know yeah. I, it's just for playing at home and shedding and stuff um, but I think if you want to get the closest feeling to real heads I think the silicon the silicon heads are the uh, yeah, are yeah. closer to a real head. Mm. Doesn't mean it's better or w- 
better or worse for kids or adults or anyone. I think they're closer to a real head. So if you're going for that, then um, then they're they're a little bit more work as well. Therefore, whereas the Rollins um, the Rollins make you fly around yeah, those yeah. kits, man. Like yeah, I yeah. just feel like I can fly when I'm playing on one of those yeah. um, because they they feel they're fun to play. The rebound is really fast um, and. Uh, they're not as much, yeah. The, yeah, the rebound's just intense on those, and it's great. It can be fun, but for if you're going for the most real feeling, I would say the Yamaha is is that. Cool. Or, or anything that offers a silicon head. Is that with the white soft? Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, pad on top of it. Oh. Yeah, with the white yeah, soft. Yeah, it's a, it's a white uh, spongy sort yeah, of okay. thing. Yeah. Um, so Jeff Dukakis has asked, "What was the last thing you changed your mind about?" And it doesn't have to be drum related. Wow, fuck. Ooh, fuck. <laughs> I was going to go to Chat Tide tonight, but I'm so hungry, I think I'm going to go to the closer <laughs> option. I've changed my mind, I'm going to 24 hour yeah. chicken burger. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. That's... Mine is I was going to buy another pod mic today, like that, right. but then I changed my mind and decided to come here with this lav mic. And Fucking regretting it. Because <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like shit. But anyway, <laughs> there you go, Jeff. On what level? A little thing? Any, anything. Okay. Just, it's, yeah. it's That's a, what makes it difficult. Yeah. Just, no, whatever, no. What was the last thing you changed your mind about? Going to the gym. I was going to go today. Yep. I changed my mind. I'll eat um, something instead. I've yeah. got this LP Tim Barley stand. It's really tall, and I just went to see Lewis at Sleeshman. I said, can you cut this thing down? He's like, man, like, they're so well built. I don't want to stuff it up. I'm like, you know what? Leave it high. I'll, I'll sit a bit higher. Yep. Cut it down. Yeah, it's yeah, really cut easy. it, man. I'm too short. Cut I need it. shit down no, here. It's really easy. I've cut, I've yeah, cut but, heaps of my stands. Yeah, but those, those LP ones, are like, they're just like welded at every point. And, I mean, they cop really heavy drums on them. He's looking at it going, man, it's like, it'll be cool, but I'm just not entirely sure. Is it? After we finish, I'll show you how to do it. Cut it from the bottom. It's, it's from the bottom. Um, LP, if you're listening, Yanya said you've got to give me a short stand. Um, <laughs> he's got the hookup apparently, so. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Is that DW now? It... Oh, i got no idea. Oh. Doing well. <laughs> yeah. I just need a short stand. Thank you. Dave Goodman. Dave Goodman. I, I, I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I imagine Jeff, like... I changed my mind recently that I know anything at all about music. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know anything. I, like I, 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 for a long time I thought I knew a thing or two about the drums and about music and it really, it really occurred to me recently. This is a, you know, I changed my mind about the underpants I was going to wear this morning but, I, you know, this is a different scale. So... Yeah, I, 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 it just occurred to me recently. Uh, there's really very little that I know mm. and can do when it comes to music, and that's a big change of mind for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good, Dave Ferry. Um, I change my mind all the time. Um, you know, you, you have a certain way of looking at things, and then more information presents itself. So, you know, you, you then have a different way of of looking at the situation. Something specific? Um, when we went down to get beer in the break, um, I had my heart set on VB and 
Because hey, hey, you know what? Jeez. Just settle down, guys. Why? Um, and um, why? Well, I'm from I'm from Oberon. Oberon. I'm, I'm Oberon. An Oberon boy needs a good Italian beer. <laughs> and the best Italian beer. And the best Italian, Italian beer is Peroni. Yeah, so I'm standing next to these guys. One Jordano. And I and I thought I thought I, you know what beer should we get? And I. I was about to say VB and I just looked at the And he audience. looked at me and said, yeah. oh, shit, he's a wog. Yeah. Uh, we'll get Peronis. Yeah, I thought, I thought, do I go with my Obronese heritage? Or? <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's, that's me changing my mind. But I, I still feel like I made the wrong choice. <laughs> I think I owe you an apology because I might have made it for you. I, I, yeah, John. You, you did yeah, a little bit, but I, I think I think you were being um, you were being um, tolerant. Um, uh, actually, this segues into because the only thing I can think of is um, segues into what Dave was talking about, and uh, I've had two peronis tonight. I was going to have a third, but I think I only have two. Two. It's not, tonight, so, um, it's not too late. It's not too late. Now I've got to be disciplined because I've said it. So right. Yeah. Um, but that just dovetails. My Dave's coming from, but most recent. Uh, Thanks, just mate. So, that so Jeff Dukakis, we hope we. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that. it was a great question. <laughs> I'm beer. glad you asked it. Let's yeah, be. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, now, Josu V Music. Hoseway. On, on, is that how you say it? That's Hoseway. Yeah. Oh, Hoseway, yeah. yeah. Hoseway, okay. Yeah. I, I like Josu. You were, so, you, you were so brave there. Yeah, I like uh, it. just came on He'll like it. He'll yeah, like that was it. great. Oh, pronouncing his name. <laughs> no. Always <laughs> great. Yeah. Okay, what's some lost gear or I forgot my snare stories? He's oh. a guitarist. Oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, I've got a great one. Um, We've all got up, one of these, I'm sure. I rocked up to a wedding gig without the bass drum beater. So I had to put the kick drum mic on my floor time with a towel on it and uh-huh. play a four set. Four on the floor kind of wedding gig. Uh-huh. Yes. With a floor tom yep. as my kick drum, trying to sing BVs. That was, that was pathetic. I'm glad no one got to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Fab. Oh, um, well, I've not had to. Well, I've forgotten the symbols at a gig. Yep. And we were on in 45 minutes. Uh, this was in the 90s. I'll just rephrase that. Uh, I'll just make that mention because. I drove like a maniac to get home. To get your 12 cymbals. To get my cymbals, right. <laughs> now, we were on in 45 minutes. My house was 45, 40 minutes drive from this venue. <laughs> the guitarist at the time had a Cordia Turbo. Oh, That's wow. Cordia Turbo. Yep. The cops had him for a while. Yep. And he said, here, man, take my car. <laughs> and I was like early 20s, dude, you know, like not very responsible at all. I got home and back in 50 minutes. <laughs> With my symbols. Yeah. Well done. <laughs> but I made it. Yeah. And two weeks ago, believe it or not, very first time ever, I turned up to a gig and I forgot to put <laughs> get the top of my stool. Uh, <laughs> the stool top was at home. Oh, Fat boss Fun I forgot gig. to take his drums home one yeah, night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a common thread here, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Shit. I haven't got any exciting stories. Like, I mean, I've I've lent my kit to to someone and then taken it out to a gig to realise that they've forgotten to put the snare stand back in the case. Oh no, that sucked. That's oh. terrible. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, just terrible. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
for me, um, my first paid gig was um, Portland Deb Ball. Um, so that's like at the back of Lithgow. I was about 13 or 14. And um, it was a black tie thing. And mum had ironed my shirt and, um, you know, everything was looking good. I had all the all my drums tuned. It was going to be great. And, I, and it was a, a reasonably hot day, so we, we lugged in in shorts. And I, I realised five minutes before we went on, I'd forgotten my pants. So, so, I, so I had white shirt, black tie, and these, like, real sort of Hawaiian shorts <laughs> sitting up there. Yes. And it was fantastic. You picked I, up uh, that night, didn't you? I've played in For shorts sure. ever since. That's been my thing. Dead ball. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I had one last year where I, I played, and oh, this just sounds wanky from the get-go, but I, got to, I was lucky enough to play at O2 Arena in London, right, oh, the, yeah. the big one, and um, I'd forgotten my shoes for the gig. It was summer over there. I was just wearing thongs. Now, I don't care. I'm happy to play in thongs anywhere. I don't mind. I just, I did cop a couple of filthies from the artists. Like, <laughs> so, so where are your shoes? I, oh, I'm, I'm going to wear thongs. I'm just, well, I always wear. doesn't matter. No one's looking at me, you know. And, uh, yeah, but I, I copped a few dirties. But I'm pretty proud of it, you yeah, know. Yeah. Still proud of A to play thongs. there in thongs. Yeah, it's <laughs> a good work. Oh yeah, I've got a pretty good one. I, I, you know, you know when uh, people they they say, "Oh, can I give you a hand packing up or oh. loading the car or whatever?" That's always when gear goes wrong, yeah, right? right? So there was something out of sequence with the gear situation. You know, it's, you're on automatic pilot when you do it yourself. Well, I'm blaming other people for it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was my problem though. So I'm I'm, I'm driving to a wedding gig in Bowral. Oh. And I'm on the Hume Highway. I'm about halfway down there. And it's a Saturday evening gig. And I, I realised, I thought, did I actually pack my stick bag? I don't think I did. And I pulled over. And I, and I stopped there and I checked the car. Yeah, I didn't pack my stick bag. <laughs> oh, my God. So and I'm driving a barrel and I'm going through my phone contact list of everyone I know down there, the Waples brothers and... and um, um, Fabian Heavy I used to live down there no one was answering their phones and I'm like oh my god I'm driving into Bowral on a Saturday afternoon for like a 6 o'clock wedding gig what am I going to do so I went the only place that was open too was Woolworths and I didn't have a spare bag of sticks in my car which I do now by the way I never had to use them but I do have them and um so I'm walking, and I thought, well, I'll just get a couple of brooms and break them in half and, and mm. use big pieces of dowel. You know, that's all I could think of. But I'm walking, they didn't have wooden Bruce. handled brooms. They were all like <laughs> plastic. plastic and metal. Yeah, it wasn't wood. So, okay, there goes, there goes that idea. I'm like, shit, shit, walking along the aisle, and I, and I found the wooden spoons oh, section. <laughs> so, and I, I'm, you know, pretty pathetic lateral thinker. So they, had, they came in packs of three, uh, small, medium, and long handle, short, medium, and long. So I thought, well, I'll just buy two bags and use the long handle, <laughs> and I'll hold the spoons in my hands. Like, so I got to the gig. <laughs> it's a five-hour wedding gig, man, like with, with the disco songs at the end, you know. Why didn't I buy ten packs of these things? <laughs> so I start with the long handle. I've got the spoons in my hand and not, and they sound like pus <laughs> on the drums. They just, they do not sound like drumsticks at all. Very thin, no tip. Wow. So 
I'm playing. The bass player looks over at me just after the first tune and he goes, hey, hey man, is everything okay? <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't tell anyone. Don't, don't you know. Yeah, I, I left my sticks at home, you know. Five hours. So probably halfway through that set, the first long handle breaks. And I'm like, oh, oh no. man. So I put the ride cymbal, the long one in my ride cymbal hand. I'm playing with the medium one in my left now. Oh, no. <laughs> playing a bit lighter. By the time we're really going. hitting it, four sets later, I'm on the short handle. <laughs> <wooden spoon>. Valerie. <laughs> and I think it was like right at the very end, the last one actually broke. The band leader, to his credit, didn't say a word, say a word. to me about wow. it. I'm like, yep. I didn't say it. I didn't draw attention <laughs> to myself. Anyone who had any pair of ears... Have you ever worked with them again? That <laughs> I, d- I don't know. <laughs> well, he lives overseas now, so I don't That's know. Fantastic. Your, your, your musical tab would be half a teaspoon of... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, there was a pathetic... That's a great story, dude. That's, a, that's actually a really cool story. It's one for the team. What exactly is happening in regards to your personal, in-the-moment relationship with rhythm when you are deeply embedded in a through-time-flowing musical experience? Day Ferry. One, two, <clears throat> I'm three, glad I got four, to ask, one, answer this. Two, three, four. <laughs> I'm actually one, 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 one. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it... It varies a lot. Yep. Um, it, it depends on the guys you're playing with, the sound that you're getting on stage. Um, but when you're really locking in, I think all of us have had that thing where you just you get the goosebumps and it feels huge, and it, you just know that it's that that one of those moments. Yeah. I have had a an out of body where I felt like I've been watching myself play. Um, and uh, yeah, that, uh, it's it's hard to explain, but I've I've had some of those moments where you just you're on total autopilot, but you you sort of but you it's not because you're tired or or you've zoned out. You just you, you're part of a whole system, and it, and it's just all sitting in beautifully. And you can then once you've, you're setting it up, you can then sit back and and really enjoy it, like you're watching or listening to a band mm. and yeah I'd say probably listening to it as a, as a whole piece not just what you're putting in is probably that's the best way I can answer that one really yeah, it's probably one. when I've had um, one of those experiences mm. Davey G um, what's, what's happening with my personal relationship, relationship with rhythm yep <clears throat> when you're in a deeply embedded in through time flowing musical experience. Right. Um, I think that what's happening is this this connection, you know, in all the different parts. Like like for me, my musical mind delivers a sound. God knows where that comes from. I believe the word is audiation. It's like the oral equivalent of visualization. Like the sounds they come, and then they somehow connect instantly with the limbs and then the limbs connect with the drums and then the drums connect with the ear holes which connect with the receptive mind and so I think and the audience 
it's only happened probably on less than a handful of occasions in my whole life. Mm. But I, I know, I know when it's happened, it has happened, where there's just this oneness in the room. It's incredible. And the audience really responds. I find there's this, this incredible energy that comes back. And um, there's no space between me and the music. And so what I'm aware of at that time is just really deeply listening and hearing stuff. And, and I'm aware of my breathing too. And that's about all I can really say about it in words. It's very rare, if, if I understand the question. Mm, you yeah, know. yeah. yeah that, I think how I'm kind of perceiving that question, at least within the last six months, I've felt like I've hit that point. I can hit that point in, in certain different parts. Say if I'm sitting on a show where you're really working night, you know, night after night after night of just nailing that and you can kind of push yourself into that point where, you know, three months into a show you're sitting there and the band's just cooking. We're doing this all the time. Everything's sounding good. Everything's feeling really good. Mm. You've worked your way into almost being that data entry with mm. doing this so repetitively. It's just, it feels really good now. And then you kind of finish doing that and then you go and play with, you know, your brother who's a bass player who you've played with for 25 years and you get that same thing. Mm. I think there's, you know, you, I, I can personally find it in kind of different aspects of, of what you're doing, either that side of really pushing and digging hard and finding that same spot, but, but I, I find that you can get there. Mm. Doing different things, um, yeah. That's as far as getting really into what you're playing, where it becomes almost kind of sublime. Um, it can happen from playing with your best mates and your favourite musos to to the other side of you just really working really hard at just nailing that, and that can bring it out too. Very good. I think that that's what I'm understanding yeah, of the yeah, question. Yeah, I think so. I don't think I could add anything else to great answers that have already been uh, been told. So uh, uh, other than that, that kind of energy I've found perhaps on, say, 100 gigs a year might happen three, two to three, four times a year max out of 100. Uh, it's very sacred. Uh, connection is uh, in, intense. And also that with that connection, you probably would forget that there's a world going on outside. There's just absolutely nothing else uh, but this uh, flood of emotion towards uh, the sounds that are coming out, mm. and, uh, and 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 it feels uh, very rarely for me effortless. I mean, it hasn't happened that often, but and it just feels like it. There's no no effort involved, and it can actually happen on a little, tiny little gig with maybe five or ten people watching, mm-hmm. or maybe even hundreds or thousands. So it's, there's no kind of recipe for it. Um, that's why I think it's sacred. Yep. As Johnny said, I think everyone's <clears throat> pretty much touched on, on everything, especially what's... I relate a lot to what Steve was saying. I think, uh, I, I guess, and without being too holistic, there, there is a spiritual experience with it. It's because it's such a connection uh, to what you're doing at the time. I get it like a sinking feeling, I guess, but not not sinking in a bad way, sinking mm. in a beautiful way mm. when you 
sitting on something and those around you, like you're saying, you can get it. You can get it with, you know, your mates or yeah. whatever. But when it, when it connects, when it connects in the room, it, it's almost like that thing where that feeling of it's playing itself. You're just being present. But the whole thing is doing it itself. Mm. You just happen to be delivering it, but it's already there, yeah, if that like makes John's sense. Effortless. Effortless, yeah. yeah. It's, it's playing itself. And that sinking feeling where you're, you're sinking, in, sinking into this groove and sinking in with the people, the guys around you on stage, the people you're playing with, which will also permeate out to the audience. And it's <clears throat> holistic. It's spiritual. Mm. It's a beautiful place to be. Cause, and we are... We are blessed. We are blessed. Or, I mean, I think all creatives are blessed to be doing what they're doing. But for just us, as drummers say, just for the sake of drummers, I think we're blessed to be able to have that experience, to do that. Mm. It, it, I think that's the juice of life, those moments. That's awesome. I can only really reiterate what everyone said. It's It's been interesting listening to it. Everyone's same take on the same thing. Yeah, it's really. a hard, that's it is, a hard one to end on. It, it is a uh, sorry to, yeah. to be last in line. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, well, yeah. it's the same thing, but um, yeah, I think everyone's experienced it, but it's slightly different. But it's really this, it's the same. You you reach that same spot, and it can happen with any style of music. And uh, yeah. like you were saying, it, with with people who are super close family as well. So uh, I can give two examples, or three examples, where where for me I can I can get to that point. Well, I've got to that point on a regular basis. I was really lucky enough to, to do a, a really big tour last year in stadiums all through Europe. It was, it was amazing. You know, it was an amazing thing which came up with only a few days' notice and, and uh, we got to play the full houses and uh, we did 22 shows. So after blowing off the, the nerves of the first couple of shows, getting all the tech right and all that kind of stuff and really being able to be present in where we were and... Uh, and to enjoy that and be grateful for the experience we were having while playing music, there was one song in the set where, and it was a really slow song, very very atmospheric, and it's kind of um, most of the people were there to see this big pop, this big pop machine, you know, this huge lights, the whole thing, and this this one song is, we play so slow, and sometimes the slower songs are the hardest ones to to get the groove in. You know, and everyone, and we're playing a lot of non-English speaking countries as well, but everyone would always do the phone lighter thing at this mm. point. And that is an amazing, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's an amazing thing to mm-hmm. to see if you're in the audience, but as a band, to see that in front of you night after night. And it would get to this point in this song on the guitar solo, shout out to Mark Maloof who was playing guitar, which would just transport all of us onto this other plane. All to, like after maybe the third or fourth night we'd hit this song and uh, I personally and we all spoke about it, it would just transport us like eyes closed head straight up and you're just you're completely present in the moment and it could be that you're in front of 20,000 people it could be that you're you're just present in yourself mm. in that moment but it was incredible and it was a moment we'd hit every time and Funnily enough, we, we rehearsed with this artist, this artist Joy. Mm. Um, her name's Joy, and we rehearsed with her today, and we have, haven't played this year together at all, and we hit that same point in the song, and instantly I was straight back there. Awesome. It was amazing. Mm. Um, and also, I'm lucky enough, you guys all know uh, 
Daryl Beaton, incredible musician, and, and his band, which is made up primarily the the Martinez family. And as Steve was saying, I, I've watched that family over my time in Sydney and been fortunate to share the stage with them. And my role in that band is is different. I'm playing like samples and electronic percussion, and so I'm generally get to sit over the top of like Kevin Mendoza on kit, or or Buddy Ciolo who's playing, both great drummers. And but when that when that band reaches a point of cooking, it's like cooking. Yeah, you know, it's just all of a sudden it slips into a thing, and everyone is there. Everyone's playing their tiny little part in the groove, but it's working as one, and we can just sit on it for ages and it's an awesome feeling it's awesome and um yeah for me though quite often i'm i'm transported by singers and if i if i believe in what they're singing or if I, you know if i feel feel what they're singing that can get me to that point mm. yeah very good yeah all right last one this one's from uh, tubby wadsworth the tub star. Yeah, and it's a it's an education based question. So, do any of you feel there is a significant change in the standard of drum education as a whole? I.e., are there are there as many great all round players coming through the ranks between the ages of fourteen and twenty three? It's just different. They, oh, I, I might just start on this one before I lose my train of thought. Yeah, I think with the day and age of um, technology and things like YouTube and to be able to be exposed to so many other things, I think a lot of people aren't physically out there looking for educators or teachers. Um, I, I just came around around that the YouTube, uh, pro- a little bit pre-YouTube internet vibe. So you learnt from the person that showed you or from what you could hear, or a video, yep. or a, you didn't have the endless info of being able to... It's one thing looking at something, hearing something, learning it, but it's a whole other thing being taught by someone. And I think we've got like a monstrous educator mm. amongst us who can probably take that even further, but for oh, me... Thanks, Steve. Uh, I'd like to... No. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Sorry. That's yeah. That, that's my thing. I don't know. There's so much info out there now, and you can learn things, but to be taught something by someone who can really nurture that, I think that's um. Yeah. That's a good question. Yeah. I dig that one. Um, Dave Goodman, I think you'd be. We're all looking at Dave. Yeah. yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> what are you all staring at? <laughs> Excuse me, Mr. Goodman. <laughs> we have a question, sir. <laughs> It's like two pronged, isn't it? It's like, yeah. What do I feel about the quality of? Yeah. Do you want me to read it again? Please. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, do you feel there's a significant change in the standard of drum education as a whole? I.e., are there as many great all-round players coming through the ranks between the ages of fourteen to twenty-three? I have no idea. I, I simply just don't. That's. I. I on a whole and those ages it's different for everyone I mean like yep. um, I don't think there's necessarily any significant change okay. with all the technology that's around I, I don't mm. I don't see um, people are exposed to what they're exposed to in the household and at school and in the, in the mass media um, people have been 
exposed to those things for as long as I've been aware. Mass media has more insidious ways of getting into the, infiltrating the minds of young people these days, so they're a little bit more yeah. maybe um, open to suggestion from mass media, um, which may or may not be beneficial. I, I don't know, but I'd, I'd like to think that actually it's improved. I mean, you see, uh, well, you, you were saying before, like all well, the Insta drummers. Yep. You know, there are these unbelievable young players who play the drums fast, I guess. Sure. But I don't know. We're talking about music here, and, and music is an entirely different animal to that. And, and uh, yeah, I, I just feel a little bit out of my depth trying to answer this question. <laughs> I really don't have an answer. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that I, I do, but I, I don't. Yanya? I, uh, <clears throat> I think... Like what Steve was saying, for me, I think there's no doubt that that with the advent of the internet, accessibility of YouTube, we are now exposed to whatever we want to be exposed to. What it means is that you can seek out anything instantly, mm-hmm. right? For me, in terms of, say, gospel drumming, which, which is a big thing, not a big thing that I do, but it's a big thing that I like, um, uh, uh, I, I like what it I like what it can do and, and how it's played. I like the aggression. I like, like the kind of aggression in the in the approach to some of the things. Not aggression like you know death metal music, but you know. I like you say. Yeah, um, I've I didn't I wasn't exposed to that at all until I I was over in the states. I had a night off on tour and I ended up ironically at this Jill Scott concert, who I'd heard of, knew nothing about, but I saw it and had my mind blown and it totally like tipped my entire kind of consciousness about drawing on an axis. I was like, wow, what an approach to be, to be so loud, so to speak at the back, like to be encouraged to stand out and to make noise and to, you know, in terms of what I'd sort of grown up with at least, you know, it was a really different, it was a really different thing. And I think that, and I've seen, I feel like I've witnessed that a lot of young kids now can access that and here in Australia, for instance, where where a gospel music scene isn't, you know, it doesn't really exist, not like it does in the States. I think through the access of YouTube and the internet, it's now building a scene like that. And there's now young kids who can play that legitimately, can, can understand it and play it legitimately. Um, and although they may not have learned from that video, they were exposed to it through those videos and can then seek out teachers, educators who are versed in that area and can, you know, can do the same with Latin, they can do the same with it, with everything. So I think that I would say without a doubt that um, people now have, well, they have access to everything and I think that people are, are coming up as, I think there would be an improvement in the, in the numbers of people coming through at a young age who are not only inspired by the things they have access, but in turn inspiring other people. And I think that that's a good thing. And I, 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 I know where you, your point on, on the Insta drummers, and I, and I kind of agree with some of those people up there that can play fast, they can play accurate. Put them on a gig, could be a whole different situation. But, you know, that's just all part of their journey. They've, they're going in that way and that way. And, also, it might not be their dream to go and play on stage and do that thing. They 
a lot of them found ways to just monetize what they're doing from their lounge room, you know, and that's an income doing something that they love. More power to them, you know. Um, just the flip side of that, <clears throat> that accessibility to everything, I sort of, I, I think the other way, I think it's hard to have an original thought or an original flavour when you're bombarded by what everyone else thinks and what everyone else is doing. And I tend to look at, especially that, um, it's a good question because that age, um, the age that we were given, that age, that age range, um, <clears throat> is really when kids work on all their chops. It's like most, most people, not all, you, you, um, you hear the odd old, old soul amongst them, but really groove isn't the, the front and centre of what kids at that age are doing. Usually it's, it's how fast and how many chops you can do, and, um, which is great because once you get to a certain age, you, you're not interested in that anymore. So really you encourage people to get into as much of that stuff as they can, build all that, and then later on I feel that maturity comes in where they're just you know, playing songs. But for me, I think all through the ages, most young kids have played their ass off and, and experimented and then eventually they settle into who they are as a player and, and their, their, their real flavour comes out a, a little bit later on. But um, I do, I, when I watch all these young kids, you know, four years old or the, or the gospel guys, for me, and I, like I love all that stuff as far as um, what they're doing, but for me it's more like watching sport than mm. listening to music. Um, it's and it's a total different genre, as you're saying, um, which which I agree as well. But for me, it I don't really get inspired or touched by a lot of these guys. And I think at that age, I'm seeing sort of heaps of icing and no cake. Mm-hmm. I, I do think there's a difference in in seeing. Uh, yeah, I, I I absolutely know what you're saying. I do think there's a difference between seeing guys who are just blowing off steam, playing drums and drums only to seeing it applied in a musical sense with a band that's all on the same... I agree, I agree. ..all on the same tip. And, you know, and I've, I've seen... Um, I saw a great band on the weekend who, who was here from the States and they really played the show. It was a big pop show and there were elements of that stuff in there but they didn't overcook it. And I've, I'm sure we've all seen it where it's overcooked where all of a sudden you've got to stop dancing because they're just showing... Showing off, you know, and they didn't undercook it. They made it musically interesting by yeah. using elements of that, but also elements of Latin and elements of other stuff that that is that is I, cool that they're I, exposed to. I think to. that's a that's an angle of music that, uh, that that helps having a great educator or having having great educators, not one great educator, but people that that can show you and teach you these things. And the more you stem. Uh, I think personally, if I would have learnt everything without having teachers who pointed me in the right direction and kicked my ass and told me when things were great and told me, hey, man, maybe that's not... I think that's the crux of the... At least from what I got from the question is how, how the, the education of what we're doing towards that age group, the teachers that I've always held in the highest esteem were the guys I had at 14, at 16... At 18, they're the ones that really, and still to this day, they've all, they'll always be up there for me. But that's, I think that's also the difference of, of where the society we live in now, because at that time, we didn't have 
Yeah, Facebook especially and my Instagram. Scene, if I wanted to learn, you know, you didn't have that Latin stuff. stuff. The, the only thing we could do, guy, right? the only thing we could do was <laughs> was, yeah, go and go to a teacher and mm. go to a gig and and do that. And and you're right in the sense that, I guess back then, however, whenever you want to say back then is, but pre pre social media and YouTube yeah. and 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 all that, um, having that teacher to kick your ass or to show you the right thing, your your craft was able to be honed by someone looking over you going, this, yeah. nowadays, that in, well, in, in contents of what's, yeah. what's being said here, in contents of what's being said here, <clears throat> imagine young kids are going onto YouTube and stuff and looking at this guy and going, wow, I'm trying to copy that and potentially, if we're going to get technical, potentially developing uh, uh, unhealthy habits or I don't know not having not having a teacher <laughs> not having a teacher stand over to you to, to correct you it's a different world there's, there's a, a, another point uh, to add to that where there's this thing I think like there's this sort of moral like there's this satiation that comes with see the, the experience of sitting down and watching all those videos it's like we had we had you know VHS tapes yeah. of oh, yeah. drum yeah. videos DCI's right DCI's sitting down and watching him Publix. didn't make you a better drummer and and no. going on a YouTube binge doesn't make you a better drummer it just adds you you become more of a statistic for <coughs> YouTube's algorithms yeah. Practicing and listening to the advice of, of a good teacher will of make course. you a good drummer. Um, that's that'll never change because yeah. there are people out there who know things that can never be documented in YouTube videos, and that is how to give someone proper feedback on yeah. how badly they're doing yeah. and how much better they could be doing it. YouTube never give you that. You could yeah. say uh, Barry Stewart. Beautiful Barry Rest Stewart. in peace, bless his soul. Yeah. One thing I remember hearing on social media a few years ago was when you'd said that he'd pa- Barry had passed away. Yeah. And it was a very sad moment and uh, I went to his house for some lessons and it was wow. he didn't give you the answers if you asked the question. He'd, he'd force you to come up yeah. with, with something, pulling a sound of the instrument or whatever it might be. But, but I think one of the biggest educational... Uh, elements of playing is actually doing gigs and I think one thing we've said a lot about actually what is undoubted increase in material availability but the gigs the amount of gigs that you can do and learn your craft on the gig that has definitely I think we could all agree and say that that has dropped off or or the the opportunities probably out there uh, you know playing every night and doing sessions during the day I never saw that anyway I mean that was probably 60s 50s 60s 70s 80s Perhaps the 90s, but um, uh, that element you, is irreplaceable and it's not available, as far as I can tell. Yeah. Uh, but but on the flip side, the quality, the uh, the amount of material that you can borrow Access. from, which we didn't have, yeah. is it's a pros, million times as much, at least. Cons, yeah. Yeah. There are there are pros and cons. Pros yeah. And, cons. and but I, I like what you're saying. I think the I think the biggest lesson in music for anyone is is playing to an empty room, like uh, getting on stage or playing to one, one playing to one person. Your mum, mum, difficult. Mom. Find, <laughs> finding a way to finding a way to to communicate whatever it is you're doing and connect with that person, and you know, conversely, to a full room of people and, and having that conversation still, but playing on stage with other musicians, learning how to listen. You know, there's 
I've seen super educated drummers who have done all the lessons and can do all the things, get on gigs and and um, yeah. not sound amazing when they are, than when they can do amazing things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that eight, it's interesting. I know Tubby fairly well, and it's interesting that he did put the parameter of the age group in there. That is significant, 14 mm. to 22. There's only mm. so many live gigs you could probably do uh, as a 14 to 18-year-old. You know. The school big band. Yeah, right. So, uh, but, um, mm. yeah, I, one regret I would have, if I could just finish, one biggest regret I probably had from any playing career or hobby whatever is... If I could go back and do it again, and I think I said this to you, I would have a, I would have a teacher all the time. Yeah. If it's in a coach environment, which I sort of had with Millen in the final years, you know, um, but I had a good teacher to kick me off in some really good direction uh, first two years, and then I went by myself for about four or five years, mm-hmm. and then had one-off lessons by Stuart for other people. But if I'd have had my time again, I would have had proper solid lessons with as many pros as I could as often as I could, mm-hmm. and I would never have stopped it. If, if, if I'd have gone back and do it again, I would change that, definitely. Yeah, I agree people. with that. Yeah. I, wish I, I wish I had lessons. Really? <laughs> I, I wish I had lessons. I'm sure. Well, my friends... Um, the time has come. The time has come. I'm not going to sing. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't want Feb singing either, so... <laughs> Dave Ferry, Dave Goodman, Steve Marin, Johnny Adams... Fab on a day, Yanya Boston. Thank you so much, guys. Um, this has been awesome. Yeah, bloody Thanks good. Thanks so much, Steve. Well done, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Yanya, for the, you, Yanya for the house. Yeah. Um, hope we can do this all again real That'd soon. That'd be great. Cheers, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks, Steve. All right, thank, you. thank you. Thank you, boys.